Hello, I'm Viv Groskop, writer, comedian, queen of Lego, empress of Harry Potter trivia, goddess of listening sympathetically to my mother gossip endlessly about people I've never met, including one sighting of Nicolas Cage in her local cafe. And this is We Are Women. Baby, you're just unique. We Are Women is the Mint Velvet podcast. We bring fascinating people together to chat about the experience of being a woman. And today we're talking about parenting. Ready. So here is today's co-host, Maddox, aged four and a half, to explain how you can contact us. You can get in touch via the Mint Velvet Facebook page or follow at Mint Velvet on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you, Maddox. One reason for this topic is that while not everyone has kids, everyone has once been a kid. The other reason is that Mint Velvet are launching a new kids' wear range called Minty. The collection is for girls aged 3 to 10, and it's inspired by the relaxed glamour of the grown-up collection, and it launches at the end of August. So if you'd like to be the first to know when that happens, head to mintvelvet.co.uk and sign up for the email. So long-time listeners will also have noticed that our music has changed because we have a musical takeover, replacing all our usual music with tracks from our guest, Paloma Faith. Only love can hurt like this. I feel very capable and I feel that sometimes I project an air of that capability to the point where I don't feel like I'm looked after very well because I don't feel comfortable asking for help. We'll also be hearing from Michelle Kennedy. It's only by talking about it, laughing about it, that we normalise. And I think if we stop, the danger is that everyone's like, okay, so that's fine now. Tick. Motherhood, we're fine. And and it's not. There's so much more to discuss. And from Jessica Foster-Q. I am very lucky to have a child who eats everything to the extent that he regularly asks for a snack in the middle of meals. So let me introduce you to the two fabulous parents joining me in the studio. Jess Foster-Q is an actor, comedian and writer whose credits include modest little shows such as Have I Got News For You, Eight Out Of Ten Cats and Mock The Week. She starred in Motherland, big favourite of mine. She's a regular co-host of the phenomenon that is the Guilty Feminist podcast. And she also hosts her own brilliant podcast called Hoovering, which she will be amazed and pleased to learn is not in fact about housework. It's about who up food. Michelle Kennedy is CEO and co-founder of Peanut, the headline-grabbing app which has been called Tinder for Mums <laughs> and which is all about helping mothers to connect and share experiences. Before that, she was deeply involved in the founding and development of Bumble, the dating app where women make the first move, and the social networking site Badu. Welcome, Jess and Michelle. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Michelle, I was tempted there to introduce you just as... Michelle, she's a mum. And leave it at that, because I know that that is one of the reasons you started Peanut, because you felt like mum had become the thing that you were. Yeah, I think I thought that was terrifying. I wasn't really sure about this tag of mum, particularly because people would refer to me in the third person, how are we, mum? And I'd be looking over my shoulder when you're pregnant. For my Mm. own mum, because to me, mum was like, mum, 
who. Um, and you have one child who one, is... little boy, Finley. He's four. And for people who don't know, how does Peanut work? How does it connect mums? So basically you create a profile and you talk about you as a woman because that's the part that I really found terrifying about this tag mum when all of a sudden I was like, wait, what about all the other things I am? What about Michelle as a career woman? What about Michelle as a daughter, sister, friend, wife, whatever? Um, And so... We ask you what languages you speak or where you studied or what your interests are so that we can connect you with other women who are at a similar life stage, who are into the similar kind of things. So it's really not about mum. It's about you as a woman. Wow. Jess, you work in a slightly different field. You haven't founded a dating app for mums. I have not founded any apps. (laughs) What have you been doing? So inadequate. I know. (laughs) Just napping. 24-hour napping over here. But you have one child of a similar age. One child also. Smelly boy. Two. Nearly three. And has his arrival affected how you approach your work as a comedian and a writer? Massively. I don't know. I feel like I kind of had my emotional range kind of ripped <laughs> ripped out. Even It was already pretty broad, I'll be honest. I was already a, a feeler. Uh, and, then, <laughs> and then it just sort of has been stretched right to its boundaries and is kind of every day now. So I remember on his first birthday, always I've found that when I have a landmark birthday, I have a wobble, a reconsider of things, a reassessment of things. And I've only ever had those on my own <laughs> landmark birthdays. And then I had one when he turned one. And I was like, oh, hang on. Am I going to have to have one of these every time you have a landmark as well? But it hit the one with him was actually extremely helpful. I realised I've been wasting a lot of time and energy on aspects of my career, which I had no desire to still be doing in five, let alone 10, 20 years. And so I really reshuffled what I was doing and focused on things uh, that I actually wanted One thing that I'm really obsessed with is how much parenting has changed since we were children. I think I grew up in the 70s and my parents were very typical 70s parents. Well, actually, the different kinds of 70s parents weren't there. They were very sort of hands-on hippie parents. Mine were not like that. They were like sort of quite old-fashioned, not touchy-feely parents. Uh, Michelle, what has been the most important differences for you between your childhood and the way you're bringing up your child? Oh, that's a really good question. I'm going to be really careful about what I say because my mum is definitely going to listen to this. Love you, mum. Um, <laughs> I don't, have to, I don't so have to worry about that. I really, really feel like I should strongly... <laughs> Me neither. I feel like I should strongly caveat this. Um, hi, Michelle's mum. Yeah, hi, hi Trish. <laughs> you know, things, things have definitely changed. I want to be open with Finn. I talk to him about as much stuff as I can. And it's important that he kind of has this ability to make decisions, even if they're the wrong decisions. Um, because my mum, strong Irish woman, um, wasn't really, um, she was very vocal about her own opinions. Let's put it that way. I yeah. love the sound of Trish. Yeah. yeah. Trish sounds like She's got it right. Formidable. I suppose the other thing that's different is um, I just didn't have anyone who had kids around me. I'm also an only child. My mum had her sister and she kind of had a network and I just didn't have one. So I suppose I really understand the importance of having a network now more than perhaps I realised I would need. And perhaps she already had that. One of the huge differences between how my parents parented and how I am is that they're both four hours away, minimum. Yeah. I'm an only child as well. Oh, the best. Um, and I think now, you know, it doesn't make it any less true that it takes a village. 
but these it feels like if you're we're, we're all so much further away from our nuclear families that you kind of have to buy your village that's right where's the village so what if, if you can't afford your village you know your app is a godsend it's great thanks babe Oh, loving this only child loving. I have a sister, so I feel a bit left out here now. Is she in London? Uh, no, she's not. But actually, my sister's great. She, my sister is my village. I'm going oh. to say that. Yes. Unfortunately, her village is in South Wales. That's a really far um, so away. So it's a quite village. a quite far away village. <laughs> but emotionally, she's very villagey in our yeah. family. Yes. Now we always like to ask our, our guests a question at the beginning of the show and then come back to them for an answer at the end. Okay. So I'm going to mm. ask this and leave it to marinate. Uh, I'd like to ask you, what is your top parenting tip and what is your parenting guilty secret? Now, while you're thinking about that, I want to share details of a brand new competition. Basically, listeners, we have been loving your reviews of the show and we want to say thank you. So we'd like to offer you the chance to win a £100 mint velvet voucher to spend on the minty kidswear range or on yourself by leaving a review for the podcast. To enter, head to the Apple Podcast app or whichever podcast provider you use if it has a review section. Then you just search for We Are Women, scroll down to ratings and reviews and leave your review. Maddox, what to help me out with the next bit just send a screen grab of your review to relaxed glamour at mintvelvet.co.uk or tweet us at mintvelvet the deadline is the 31st of august 2018 while we're at it, congratulations to listener Gemma Scheel, the winner of our recent competition. Writer Lucy Mangan came on to our Social Summer episode and we asked you to tell us your favourite childhood book. A copy of Lucy's gorgeous memoir, Bookworm, will be winging its way to you, Gemma, who got in touch to say that her favourite was Anastasia Krupnik by Lois Lowry. She says, I love the whole series and recently gave them to my 10-year-old daughter to read too. Now, Jess, sharing things you loved with your child, as Gemma did with this lovely series of books, is one of the joys of parenting. And I know that one of the things you love is food. What is your food philosophy as a parent? Oh, it's such a tricky one. So I am uh, very lucky to have a child who eats everything to the extent that he regularly asks for a snack in the middle of meals. Love that. <laughs> it doesn't even mean he's finished. Feel he like just, he's my spirit animal. Yeah, I mean, same. <laughs> same. But I did hear something early on that, like, you're meant to not really tell them off if they don't want to eat it or if they don't want to finish what they've got. And that's, I'm obviously, I'm down with that. If he doesn't want something, then that's fine. Although, you know, it still hit, hits you in quite a primal place. It's an overwhelming desire to love through feeding. And that's the other side of it, which I find much, much harder, is that you're also apparently not supposed to, when they eat well or eat something all up that you've made for them, to be like, good boy, well done, and, like, overpraise it. It as if like and so that I'll be honest like I find it impossible I find it impossible if I've made something especially if there's something you know quite balanced that I've put love into and and then he's eating it I can't I cannot help myself but be like yes really glad you like it do you want some more well, <laughs> Whereas think- my dad because of his mum is like a big big feeder so was really really and still now it's one of his only ways of showing love um, 
we had a big fallout a few years ago and I knew it was all, I knew that the sorry had occurred because I was given a plastic bag of meals that he'd cooked. Like that is his only way. Wow, so I was brought up with this, a lot of conflict and all my only desire, my only request of myself is to at least not replicate that. Michelle, I think your passion that would match food would be tech. And that is the other thing that parents do love struggle. Obviously, we all love food. But I think a lot of people who work even in tech, once they have children, they, I mean, all the guys who started off at Apple now say, oh, no, I won't let my child have an iPad, even though I invented it. So how do you navigate in the same way that Jess does with food, is like have a healthy relationship with tech when you work in it and you must be on your phone all the time in front of your child? Yeah, that is really hard. It's like that kind of do as I say, not as I do. There are so many things that tech has done in terms of development and education. There is a joy in that and I want him to feel the joy. But in the same way, I never want it to be completely restricted so that then when I'm not around, he's like binging. Oh, give me the iPad. It's a drug. I started to realise fairly early on that for him, the phone had like these mystical powers. Mummy's using it all the time, so it must be amazing. Um, So I try and keep it out of the room when I'm with him. Um, I just think that there there are limits, right? You wouldn't allow your kid... Before it was tech, it was TV or video games. You wouldn't allow your child to sit and play that for hours and hours. Of course, there are degrees. So do I allow Finn to play on the iPad occasionally? Of course. Does he do it every day? No. Jess, you touched on this earlier, the idea that when you become a parent, you have all the feels. And this comes into our inability to restrict as well. One of the things people often say is that becoming a parent makes you so much more sensitive to books, television. (laughs) I, I, I try to watch Handmaid's Tale, which I love, with my 14-year-old son. Uh, It's not entirely suitable for him, but he's quite grown up. And he couldn't watch it with me because I couldn't stop crying. And and uh, I couldn't watch, any, haven't watched any of the footage of those lovely boys who got trapped in the okay. cave in Thailand. Mm. Thank God they're all safe now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just didn't want to know about it because it makes me too too stressed. Um, how about you? When it comes to that, are you still able to participate in these social phenomena, or do you I mean, have to look um, away? I I find myself far more affected by those things in answer to your question. Yeah, yes. unbearable. Had to stop watching series two of Handmaid's Tale just to touch on what you said because I was getting too upset, like convulsing with tears. Oh. So I had to stop. So spoiler alert. God, I'm still so, really enjoying it. Maybe I'm dead inside. What's wrong with you, Jess? <laughs> Sorry. I thought you had all the feels. Well, obviously not enough, oh. actually. Now, our interview with Paloma Faith is coming up very shortly. But first, let's hear a little more from my co-host Maddox and her friends. And to mark the Minty launch, we asked them, of course, about clothes. My name is Edith. I am six. I like skirts and T-shirts and shorts. My name is Rowan and I'm eight years old. My name is Maddox and I am four years old. I don't like clothes that are tight because they get in my way when I'm doing sports. I don't like clothes that are really poofy because they're just annoying. Um, could we pause a bit because I need to relax my head? My dream outfit would be a... Um, a golden dress. Shorts with a sparkly, changing colour top. The kind of clothes I don't like 
are black t-shirts because they don't have any colours. And do you think clothes are important? Yes! I smell chocolate. Many thanks to Maddox and Co. So Jess, do you choose your kids' clothes or do you let them, let him choose? Yeah, I suppose actually I have started giving him an element of choice. I'd say I don't care about it that much and then I'll go away for work and come back and my partner will have dressed him in a red T-shirt and a red trousers and I will be offended by that. It's colour blocking, it's very fashionable. actually, what's it called? Conscious clashing. Rudy is regularly a constant clasher. Good luck to him, is all I can say. Michelle, how about you? He's really obsessed with bats. Bats are like everything. He can tell you any small detail about bats at the moment. Cool. So um, anything that's got a bat on it, big big winner. Or anything that has a flap on it. Mm. We've also got a lion one where you lift it up and the lion roars. Oh. I'm jealous of a lot of these clothes. I do love clothes. Occasionally I'll say, do I look nice, Finney? And he looks at me a bit like, <sighs> yeah. But to be honest, he's like, I don't Rudy, know. Rudy, my son, my mum took him into a dressing room this week and tried something on and he cocked his head and said, do you think that works? <gasps> I think that works. To my mum. Who did he hear that from? I, I love know, it. Honestly, it's, I, I mean, I have a lot of, a lot of friends are very into fashion, but I don't know where he's got it from. He now that, coupled he's secretly watching Queer Eye. <laughs> I love it. That <laughs> coupled with the comment about food, yeah. I think we should hang out, me and yes. <laughs> We're going to have a great time. I'll lend you Finn with his lion T-shirt. Perfect. You're right, you know. And I need a little buddy who can tell me about whether I'm like, if it's working. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. I'm here in glamorous North London, slightly gritty part, although we're surrounded by a beautiful gold and platinum albums and special music record type offices. But it is an unglamorous part of London, so we can hear some drilling in the background, which is going to be an interesting addition. But I am here with the multi-talented, multi-award winning, many splendid thing, and she truly is, that is the dazzling singer, songwriter and actress Paloma Faith, a woman currently reveling in some sort of peak of her creative powers, I would say, having recently produced not only her very first number one album, but also her very first child. Welcome, Paloma Faith. Hello. You truly are a woman. That's really nice. I hope I am, after yes. all of that. You really <laughs> well, you have always had a very goddess-like persona, but have you felt more goddess-like since becoming a mother? Um, I feel more powerful and... I also feel like more capable of everything than I've ever felt. I surprise myself at what I've been capable of doing. I've done shows on two hours sleep. I've done shows with tonsillitis, which I never would have done before. But I'm just like, if I'm going to start making these obstacles stop me doing my job, then I'm probably not going to do my job anymore. 
So I've decided just to get on with it. What you're wearing today, let's uh, talk me through this. Beautiful multicoloured trainers, practical but glamorous. Yeah, but I was trying not to let anyone draw attention to the fact that I wear trainers because that's top secret. Oh, is it really? That's really funny. They are very, very Paloma trainers. I used to not wear them, but now I'm a mother. That's really interesting. I just, I've like, recently gone on to trainers as well. Yeah. I know. It's embarrassing, isn't it? Especially when yeah. you used to love heels. And gorgeous maxi dress. Vintage looking, but probably designer, I'm guessing. Not designer. High street. High street. Nice. Yeah. And gorgeous, I would say, like, kind of Brigitte Bardot type pink hair. Yeah, I'm enjoying this at the moment. It's a wonderful consequence of a hair disaster. <laughs> Do you know Billie Holiday used to wear that flower in her hair? That was her kind of iconic look. And the reason why was because she put too much hair relaxant on her hair one day and it sort of singed off and it never grew back. So I've had a similar story recently. (laughs) (laughs) I want to ask you a question about your your latest album, The Architect, Mm. which you wrote while you were pregnant. And I know you said that you imagined your child one day listening to Mm. this album while you were writing it. How do you think that changed how you wrote that and how you approached that? I just wanted my child to listen and understand something about what I value and what I want from the new generation, really. So I wanted it to be about social responsibility and empathy, compassion and kindness predominantly. You mentioned the importance of using your platform and that you almost feel like that's a duty. What are the downsides to living with this kind of platform and how do you cope with them? I think I found it difficult becoming a mother and obviously my decision to keep my child completely out of the public eye by way of, well, you don't know what a child's going to become. So it's not really up to a parent to decide whether their child's in the public eye or not. It might be that your child is really introverted and geeky and doesn't want any attention at all. So it's not for me to make that decision before they're even able to make it for themselves. I find that difficult and I find having time where I just switch off from it difficult, like going shopping in the supermarket or... Recently, I went to A&E with my baby, which I'm sure every mum listening knows happens quite often at the beginning because you constantly feel like this thing's going to die. <laughs> Can I keep the Tamagotchi alive? Ah, go to A&E again. And I do have people approach me and go, oh, my God, and I'm like... Well, and this is people basically asking you for a selfie in A&E. Yeah, or just wanting to have a conversation. I'm like, look, I'm a bit shell-shocked because this actually is a true story. My child stopped breathing for 30 seconds and I had to call an ambulance and passed out, lost consciousness and everything. And I'm just in A&E and somebody's like, oh, my God. And that just doesn't feel fair. Do you think that's something that you come to terms with as a parent? It's just you live through these really intense emotions and you just have to remain quite stoic. Yeah, but also I think, like, I deal with things because I talk about them and I don't bury them. And I will just be like, say to my boyfriend, I hate our kid, afterwards. (laughs) 
<laughs> and it'll just be like, me too. And then we'll just laugh because we know it's not true. I'll be like, God, how could they just put us through that? It's just so irritating. <laughs> but like, that's how we cope. And the first time I came back to interviews and work and stuff was after five and a half months. And I remember the first time I sort of said to people like, How's, how is it? And I was like, hell. And people were like really uncomfortable and shocked that somebody would say that. And I was like, no, don't, don't get me wrong. I've never felt love like this. But it is probably the worst decision I've ever made. <laughs> but then you're like, I feel so good about it now that I want to do it again, of course. Which is why we're insane, isn't it? You seem very grounded in yourself and having followed your career for a long time and I have been to see you in concert many times because I love your voice. Um, I think that you've always been like this, pretty grounded and a bit hippie-ish, you know, comfortable with yourself. But what is your weakness? There's quite a lot of things. I think most strengths also manifest in weaknesses. So I accept that I'm an oversharer. But I struggle sometimes when it's completely wrongly timed and inappropriate and either offends or gets me into trouble because I don't really want to, like, upset anyone. But sometimes I do by accident. And I also feel that I struggle with the fact that I am... I feel very capable and I feel that sometimes I project an air of that capability to the point where I don't feel like I'm looked after very well. And I know it's my fault because I don't feel comfortable asking for help. And usually when I let it go too far, it would manifest like an illness or... Like I've been hospitalised quite a lot of times with exhaustion and stuff, and I feel like that's really not fair on me, but I never see it coming, and I never ask when I need help. I'll just suck it up and go power through. In terms of making time for yourself, exercise and stuff like Mm. that, what do you do to stay fit, and did you feel pressure to get your body back after having a baby? Yes, I did feel a pressure. I don't think the pressure came from anyone, but I do think that things are a bit more complex than that. No one comes up to any woman and says, you look fat, lose the weight, but it's a social thing. And you do, I think, in the early stages of motherhood, feel very invisible. The jump between walking down the street before and being acknowledged and being sometimes even wolf-whistled at or people saying you look nice and then suddenly it just stops and no one looks at you even if you're famous they don't even realize it's you because you look so terrible (laughs) (laughs) so you have that feeling and that's the pressure and it's an unspoken pressure um but yeah so I did feel a pressure but I've done it I feel better now I'm definitely not as skinny as I was and actually my now mindset is that the amount of sacrifice to be half a stone lighter is way more than if I just ate what I wanted and I'm only half stone heavier. So I just feel like it's too much sacrifice for that half stone. Can I just quickly add a little thing? My mum said that 
her mother, who had seven kids in East Anglia in a rural upbringing, used to give them coronation milk instead of breast milk. Sugary milk out of a tin. Wow, like evaporated milk. Yeah, so like, I'm really like obsessed by no sugar for the baby, it's really bad. And then when I say stuff like that to my mum, my mum's like, you had chocolate at two months old. And I was raised on coronation milk out of a can and we're still alive. So don't feel too guilty if you accidentally pop a jelly baby in your child's mouth. (laughs) Paloma Faith Secrets of and Parenting. And all their teeth fall out. <laughs> <laughs> Huge thanks to Paloma Faith. Michelle, Paloma talked there about feeling like she became invisible when she became a mother, which I think is quite similar to your experience. Now, with apps like yours and the outspokenness of stars like Paloma, do you think things are changing? Definitely. There is a shift. We call out people who are doing any kind of mom shaming. We laugh at things. We're more honest about things. And that just... When I had Finn four years ago, that definitely was not okay. I think that was one of the moments that was most stifling. I I felt I couldn't say, bit lonely, not finding this as uplifting and amazing as everyone says it's going to be. And now I feel like there are amazing people, Paloma Faith, Chrissy Teigen, and there are these moments of like excruciating, cringeworthy realness that you're so grateful that someone's kind of called it out and said, yeah, that that is me that did happen to me the other day on the school drop or whatever it might be so um definitely there has been a shift but more 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 we have to keep talking about it because it's only by talking about it laughing about it that we normalize and i think if we stop the danger is that everyone's like okay so that's fine now tick motherhood we're fine and and it's not there's so much more to discuss the end is looming so it's time to return to the question that you will have forgotten about but now have to remember what is your parenting top tip and your parenting guilty secret my top tip is uh, make your husband do everything if you have a husband or your partner Uh, that's definitely my top tip is uh, don't go for the um, mother is the alpha parent model Uh, Hats off to single parents because they have no choice over these things. But if there are two of you, make sure you are pulling equal weight. I think mine is done is better than perfect. A lot of pressure on us to be perfect doesn't exist. No, you don't have to hand make the invitation. You're totally allowed to throw money at the situation. Jess, how about you? Top tip. Um, I'm going to go for a practical one for with babies. You can't keep a glove on a baby. May I recommend popping socks on the hands instead? Yes. The ela- you may recommend the elastic that. Genius. The, for the ankle. It's a keeps brilliant. It, on. it was the brilliant best, tip. The best discovery. Brilliant tip. And so, to the question nobody ever wants to answer: your parenting guilty secret. I am actually going to refuse to answer this because I insist there be no guilt in parenting. Oh, I've and that is that. my final word. Love that. I'll share mine. <laughs> I do feel guilty about it, but it's a good one. So Finn has a glow clock in his room. Only when it goes orange is he allowed to get out of bed. And if I've been out the night before, I change the time. So I get an extra hour in bed. 
That's amazing. So it doesn't go orange until eight o'clock. We've got a glow clock and my son has learnt to just turn the sun on. Oh, he just turns it no. orange and says, look. Oh, no. <laughs> you need to get that bad boy on a higher shelf. <laughs> this yeah. is not a toy. Really hope my mother-in-law isn't listening to this because I adore her. My husband's Jewish and um, his parents don't eat uh, shellfish. And so I don't eat shellfish in front of them. But we were just recently away with them all. And I said to Finn, do you want to try mummy's pasta? He said, no, does it have prawns in? I don't want prawns. And I, I was like, why would it have prawns in, Finn? We don't eat prawns. <laughs> How do you know what a prawn is? What are you talking about, Finn? He's looking at me like, don't we? Because I'm pretty sure last week we had prawns. Oh, painful confessions, Sorry. ladies. Thank you so much. Lies, That's they? all for now. We'll be back next month. But in the meantime, do tweet at Mint Velvet or come to the Mint Velvet Facebook page and tell us your thoughts on the podcast. And Maddox, could you remind them how they go about winning a £100 voucher? Write a review in your podcast app and send a screen grab of it to Relaxed Karma at mintvelvet.co.uk or tweet us at mintvelvet. The deadline is the 31st of August 2018. Thanks so much to our guests, Michelle Kennedy, Jess Foster-Q and Paloma Faith. And of course, to Maddox, Edith and Rowan. We Are Women is a Whistledown production for Mint Velvet. The producer is Kate Taylor. I'm Viv Groskop. Thanks for listening and goodbye. Relaxed glamour. <laughs>